Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. We're going to talk with Shelly from Florin Decor now. And Shelly, welcome back to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you for having me, Jim. Oh, that was pretty mild. Come ah! on, you can do better. <laughs> you know, I still get a little nervous. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of new floorings always coming out, and while well, we were talking about laminates here just a, a few minutes ago. The luxury vinyls. Yeah, yes. luxury. Is yes. that what they're called? They're called luxury vinyls, okay. absolutely, because they're waterproof. Well, they're gorgeous, Thank you. first of all, but the waterproof is a big thing because I, I tell people all the time, don't put wood in the kitchen, don't put wood in the bathroom, but you can do that with these. Absolutely, and they look like wood, so... There you go. It has all the textures, and they're waterproof, and you can put them in any room, and they're easy to install. And no splinters on my toes when I walk on it. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> now, floor and decor, though, you ca- you guys carry so much more. I mean, you have everything that a person needs for f- hard floors. Hard it, surface, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We have stone. We have any kind of porcelain, ceramics. We have many, many selections in stock. And, and I want to clear one thing up because the name floor and decor, a lot of times people start thinking uh, this is more of a warehouse seconds and stuff. I, I've been to at least a dozen of your locations now. Ain't, there ain't a second in any of those No, buildings. not at all. We go all over the world and we bring back top quality products for sure. And the beautiful part is it's all available right then. Absolutely. I don't have to order it and wait. Exactly. We have it in stock. You know, I've got a, a project going right now. And uh, the engineer who is coming out and doing some of the inspections is actually coming up from Corpus Christi. Uh, I'm doing the project out at Possum Kingdom. And he's on site. It's gorgeous. The water is beautiful. I'm a a little bummed it's going to start cooling off now. but It's good fishing time, though. Oh, the the bass (laughs) have been just unbelievable. But we're off subject. Oh, sorry. But no, the the, the fishing, (laughs) my guys have really enjoyed the fishing because we are right on the water. Uh, and the the, uh, the engineer who's been on site while we've been doing drilling piers and getting stuff ready for building a retaining wall, he comes up from Corpus. He needed tile. He ordered, no exaggeration, he ordered tile 12 weeks ago from a place. No way. And I told him, I said, Dude, what is your problem? You should have gone to floor and decor obviously, and taken it with you. Obviously, he didn't know we were there. Are you in Corpus? No, we're not yet. Not okay. in Corpus, but we're but, not far. But he's he's driving all the way up. Exactly. He's going through San Antonio, through Austin. Austin. And we have two stores Dallas. in Austin. So, yeah, we're, we've got a lot of a lot of places he could have stopped for and, sure. And all he was doing is backsplash. I mean, he could have loaded it in the backseat oh, of a car no. even, let alone the pickup he's oh, driving. No. Well, can he return it? <laughs> Good question. I will ch- I'll check when I go see him in a little Because I'm happy to bit. help. <laughs> but you got the tile in stock, ready to go. Ready to go. Along with all the products to install. All it. the studding materials. Your grout, your thin set, all of that. You know, the question I get a lot of times on tiles is people have a large area of tile to get a hairline crack in it. And there are products... To avoid having this problem, if, if you people use the right, knew about exactly. It. You, well, and you have to know what thin set you're going to use with what tile. That's what's made for. Yep, exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize there is a difference. 
So let's talk about that for a second. And I know that's not your normal realm. <laughs> it's not my realm, expertise, but I'm happy to but, help. <laughs> but some of the some of the thin sets have elasticity to them. Some of them don't. Correct. When they come into your store, you guys have professionals who can help them with that. Oh yes, we have. Uh, we have uh, actually we have training classes. So if you want to come in on a Saturday, we can talk about it. We also have lunch and learns. So yeah, and that's all that you can ask any associate in the store. They can tell you when it's going to happen. Lunch and learns. Tell me about this. Lunch this and is new. Yeah. I haven't heard about this. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm I'm failing on my job. Um, we have different vendors that come in and educate us on those products. So, for instance, I think we're having a James Hardy. They're having the Hardy Backer. You know yep. what Hardy Backer is. Well, oh, yeah. they're coming in um, in a couple weeks to give us a lunch and learn. They serve lunch, and they talk about their products. So, not only do you get to eat, but it's educational. Excellent. So, when uh, somebody doesn't want to do it themselves. Correct. I tell them to go to these classes all the time because that way they know kind of what to expect from their contract. They should know what the they should know what the contractor knows te- technically really what you're supposed to use with what product you should know this you know I, i'm gonna tattle here for a second Uh-oh. <laughs> the, 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 the thi offices mm-hmm. uh, we rent a space and i noticed that they're doing some construction outside and as i'm coming in brian our executive producer my partner here for the show he says you know I, they took forever to put that piece in there. And he says, I could have done it in the amount of time they spent on it. But they were professionals. I said, no, I don't think they were. <laughs> Just looking at the oh, work no. they did. And, and, and you are correct, though. As a lay person, you really need to know what's expected because otherwise the contractor will pull the wool over homeowners' They can. Eyes. They definitely can, for sure. But with all the information opportunities we have, there's no reason not to. Absolutely. Now let's talk about what you do because I'm always talking about, you know, floor and decor as far as a great place to go get tiles. But I apologize, but I always fail to mention your department, what you guys do. I work with the pros. Um, I work with designers, and I also work with builders. And we figure out the most cost-effective solutions for their properties. I also work with the homeowners, uh, with the builders, when they're designing a new home. So I do the design, and I also find products. So I do sourcing as well. So you guys can do some specialty stuff. We do, but it's mostly what we carry, that special order. Right. And if there's a particular product that we don't have enough of for a large product, you know, large project, then we go and find it. Maybe we have it at our port or maybe we have it at another location. But that's part of what I do is find if, especially if you've got a large product, you know, a project, something that's 20,000 square feet or 15,000 square feet. The, the, the mansion the, that somebody's yeah, building. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So what we do is we help find the products and and a lot of the stuff that like let's say your plank tile it needs to have the same dial lot number so we want to make sure that we have it all processed at the same time say that again because you were real fast when you spit spit out that that (laughs) dial lot number because that's kind of critical it is very critical you want to make sure when you're doing a large project that all the tiles are the same thickness all the same height all the same uh, color so all of those things can vary in the production and a lot of times people think that when they uh, go in and order the exact same tile, they're getting the same, but the color can vary. It can. That's why that dye lot is it's so important. critical. Exactly. So let's talk about locations. 
We have six locations here in the Metroplex. We have the Colony, which is our newest location. I'm in Plano. And then we have Arlington, Mesquite, Dallas, Fort Worth. And if you want to find out where those locations are, it's real simple. Go to our website, thipro.com. There's a link to Floor and Decor, and it'll show you where all their locations are, even if you're outside of the Metroplex. Absolutely. We have them everywhere. Shelly, thank you so much thank for you. taking time to come in and talk with us. Don't forget about our website, thipro.com. You can find all kinds of helpful information, links to different contractors you hear me talk about. In fact, one of the contractors we're going to talk with right now, Matt Latham of U.S. Tree Care. And Matt, welcome to, well, I should say, welcome back to Texas Home. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. It has, yeah. Missed it. it. This is the time of year where a lot of people think, I don't need to worry about my trees. They're going dormant anyways. Right. Absolutely. And total misconception. I know. So you, you, you have, you have trained me well, that's young right. Jedi. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, so the misconception is, you know, obviously the leaves fall on our deciduous trees. Uh, we're all told that trees go dormant, but what we don't hear about, what we don't know typically is that the root system is actually still active. The tree's still growing. It's still taking up water, taking up nutrients, things like that. So the tree is very active. It's just shut down everything above ground to protect itself from the frost. So what should we be doing with our trees right now then? Well, there's a lot of things actually. Um, first of all, I, li I like to talk about mulch a lot, right? It's, it's you know, pre-dirt. Right. So it's, it's kind of a dirty subject, but mulch is, if you look at a forest, that's how nature does it, right? You've got six inches to 12 inches of just organic junk that fell from the forest and is broken down by microorganisms. And so we can kind of recreate that same forest-like scenario, which the tree thrives in by just putting two to three inches of mulch right on top of right underneath our, our drip line underneath the canopy of the tree and i tell you you're gonna yell when you come out to my house then <laughs> you got grass I got right just, up to I, I got grass growing up there i got roots up on the surface and the soil is just rock hard that's right yeah welcome to texas yeah <laughs> we, we got this lovely clay soil well that and that's another good point is the mulch is actually going to be broken down and feed the microorganisms that the soil needs soil is a very complex organism all in itself i mean it's a whole environment and when you put mulch down, not only is it going to protect the root system from the frost, the freezing rain, things like that, it's also going to feed the soil and thereby feed the trees. I always say a healthy soil is going to equate to a healthy tree. Okay. Now, what different trees do different things. I mean, I love oak trees. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've got some oaks in my yard. I've got some pecans in my yard. Uh we had to take out the pear trees. You came out and did that for me, but I planted some new ones. Cool. Along with a uh, peach tree. Peach tree, very cool. So when do I trim these things? I mean, uh, right now, especially those pears, pears grow fast. They Man, do. They grow fast. That was just a little twig stick sticking up there, and now I've got all these branches coming off, and I, I don't necessarily want all those as this thing grows got up. It. Yeah, you've got all the all the sprout growth and all that in the tree. Yeah. Um, so winter's a good time to prune that type of deal, that type of stuff. And on your deciduous trees, it, you're, you're talking about a great time as well. My what? Uh, deciduous trees. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm talking tree terminology here. I, I told my guys this morning when I talked with them, four-letter words. That's you're right. getting into these big fancy words I can't spell, I can't use. There them. you Come go. On. So your evergreens are going to be your pines uh cedars things like that that hold on to their leaves during the winter your deciduous trees 
are going to be the leaves that fall during the winter. So okay. your maples, oaks, things like that with broader leaves generally are going to, to drop those leaves. Those are called deciduous trees. Right. So on your deciduous trees, um, you, you really want to think about pruning them during the winter. That really is the ideal time. So right now on, now that we're getting into colder weather, mm -hmm. the tree is going to take less stress by pruning now versus if you prune it during the, the heat of the summer when we're all outdoors and we see our trees and are thinking about them. So pruning is a great time right now, especially with the ice storms we get here. We get, what, one or two ice storms a year, and they cause yeah. catastrophic damage, right? Well, by pruning them properly, by taking off weight, getting some structural pruning, deadwood, things like that, you actually reduce the risk of any type of structural failure in your trees if done properly. And if the branch is big enough, you got wood for the fireplace. That's exactly right. Killed two birds. So I was kind of joking around with you, before, you know, while we were on commercial break as, as far as Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know this is October, but, you know, come uh, Thanksgiving, everybody starts buying Christmas trees and right. stuff. Any tips on what we ought to be looking for and what we can do with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you want to look for a tree that's healthy, right? But how do you how do you determine what a healthy tree is? Now, the healthier trees, uh, you probably don't want to buy any tree now, but as we move in a couple months from now, right? Um, you want to look for a tree that's really a dense, dense canopy that you can't really see through. That's going to be an indication that the tree is healthy enough to produce it. You want to look for the right color of foliage the right color needles on your on your forest or excuse me on your christmas tree and that's going to vary by species of course but generally speaking the darker the leaves the darker the needles are the healthier it is that's chlorophyll another big word out there <laughs> is what gives it that color but chlorophyll also helps in uh photosynthesis that's what takes sunlight converts Man, it to energy all these big words am i today. am i doing yeah. it again yeah no nah, you're fine Go ahead. photosynthesis that's where the sunlight is is combined with carbohydrates co2 from the air to produce sugar that the tree feeds on so the more the darker green the color of the needles the better off the tree was doing before it was cut down for you to put in your house, right? Um, the other thing, of course, is just from an aesthetic standpoint, we want to make sure it's a healthy, nice, even canopy. You don't want to go spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a Christmas tree that's not going to look phenomenal. Yeah, and not going to make it until exactly. the first of the year. Exactly. Okay, back on cold real quick. I got about a minute before we got a break for news, traffic, and weather. But on uh, this time of year... Again, people are looking at trees going dormant, mm -hmm. and they're not thinking about planting new trees and yes. bushes and things. And that's a mistake, isn't it? It absolutely is. Yeah, and again, I think it's it's all perception is reality. We're not outdoors as much in the winter. So we don't I don't see need the landscapes. thing until spring. I mean, that's when it's going to start looking decent. Exactly. Why do I want to put it in now? See, that mentality right there. Well, the thing about planting in the winter is, again, because it's not hot, because the top half is dormant of the tree, the root system's still active, of course. By planting it now, the tree is going to take less transplant shocks. You're going to have an easier time getting it to grow during the spring. The other thing is it's going to have time for the roots to start developing before you get into the high winds of, in all the rainy season and all that during the, uh, during the springtime. So right now, really from like late October, early November through February, March in North Texas is going to be a phenomenal time to plant a tree. Now, I mentioned the email questions there, and I've had a, a few of them that came in that I really wanted to address on the show because uh, they're common problems. First one, we're having trouble controlling humidity in our home. And I, I know this is going on to, or is going to be a continuous battle on the Gulf Coast, but I thought 
the air conditioner would be able to maintain the level below 60%. I have a 2,500 square foot two-story house. We have two 15-seer units. The upstairs unit is a three-ton and the downstairs unit is a four-ton. They were installed in 2011. I change my air filters regularly. The ACs have been serviced and inspected and are working as designed. My drain lines from the ACs have been flushed and the fan speed lowered. My return ducts have been inspected for damage. Everything checks out, but the humidity is still routinely above 70%. Well, that's high. Uh, we never leave the windows open. We run exhaust fans during showers and cooking. What else could cause high humidity in the house? Well, you mentioned you adjusted the, had the feed the, the uh, speed of the fans adjusted. Quite frankly, I think your problem is going to be in the sizing of the units and the way they're set up. And if you've been having the same person come out and do all this servicing and do all this checking, it's probably time you get somebody else out there to take a look at it. Because typically, first thing I would do in, in this type of situation is let's do a load calculation and verify that we've got the right size AC units in there. Uh, because one thing I don't have on here is how old the home is, things like that. That all goes into the calculations as far as what do we have for insulation, what do we have for windows? What way is the house facing? All these things go into the load calculations. And I bring that up because you've got seven tons of air conditioning going into a 2,500 square foot house. That's less than 360 square foot per ton of air conditioning. In normal circumstances, I got to be honest, that sounds a little high but I haven't run the load calculations. And all these things I was just talking about can make a huge difference. But if your air conditioning is oversized, guess what happens? The humidity levels skyrocket because the unit doesn't run long enough to actually pull the humidity out of the air. It'll actually cool and bring the temperature down where it needs to be. It shuts off and the dehumidification process stops. Normally, an air conditioning system should run, when it comes on, you want it to run about 15 minutes or so. That cycle is what takes the, the humidity out of the air. If yours is coming on and only running for like five minutes, that's a good indication it's oversized, and that's why your humidity level is running up. Your normal air conditioner should be able to drop your air con your uh, humidity level down to realistically you ought to be getting down to 45 percent without any huge problems and so if you're again if you're staying up up over 70 i think it's going to be a size problem so get somebody else out there who does the load calculation and, and let's go from there all righty i heard your solution new question here i heard your solution a while back for water hammer and did as you suggested it cured the problem downstairs and helped the problem upstairs, but I still can hear the hammer in the upstairs bath. Both the sink faucets and the toilets, although it isn't bad, or as bad, I should also tell you that the outdoor water faucet never stopped dripping, so I guess the water was never completely shut off. However, I turned the valve halfway around because a quarter turn did not do the trick. All the internet said, a valve like I have needs a quarter turn. Well, that's that's going to be a ball valve. And a quarter turn shuts it on or turns it off. And when it breaks, 
well, they, they kind of address that here. I had tried it once before and turned it more than halfway, and the water started coming out again. That's because if the valve breaks where you can spin it all the way around, you turn it a half turn, you're back where you started. So I flushed the toilets once, and no water filled back in the tank, so I thought this was probably enough. Is there something else I should do for a two-story house? I really appreciate your response. I'm getting ready to sell my house, and I would really like this problem to be solved. By the way, before I heard your solution on the radio, I called a plumber, and he said something about an arrestor, which would cost several hundred dollars, and it might work. He did not seem to know the solution of draining the pipes. Thanks so much for your help. Well, let's start with the plumber first. Why would he want to tell you a do-it-yourself trick that probably will fix the problem? It's too easy for him to come out there and sell you a $400 arrestor, and that's typically about what they get to install one. And what the arrestor is is nothing but a little thing that looks like a test tube. They install on the pipe. It sticks straight up, and it holds air. And I'm going to go through the process of what you can do to eliminate the water hammer and then tell you what's causing this problem more than likely. In order to get rid of a water hammer, what a water hammer is is when you shut the water off. So you, you flush the toilet, the valve closes when the tank is filled, and you hear this boom. Or you shut a faucet off and you hear this hammer, this hit, this boom. That's really where the, the, all the pipes are completely filled with water. When you shut it off, it's just slamming into the valve that shut off and it's got no place to go, so it rattles the pipes. In order to solve that... What they do is they put these risers, and if, if you've got copper pipes, it's just a copper riser comes off. Now they've got these arresters that look like a test tube, but basically it's just a, a spot that will fill with air. And what happens over time, the air tends to get out of it. It fills with water. You start getting the water hammer. To solve it, shut the water off to the house. Open all the valves to drain all the pipes down all the way. And I think what happened on this one, what didn't drain out all the way is if you think about a straw, when it's not, when it's closed on the top, you can pick it up, hold it, and the water just barely trickles out of it. If you don't leave the water off long enough, the water will sometimes get stuck in those risers. The longer the water is left off and the valves open to drain, the more likely you are you get all the water out. So let's open, do, this, do the cycle again where you uh, shut the water off, drain everything out, and then leave it for, give it 5-10 minutes. That should drain the water out of those risers. Now, shut all the valves back off, turn the water back onto the house, and go to the furthest valve, open it up, and let the water through, flow through the pipes. And basically what you're doing is putting air back into those risers so that when you shut the water off, instead of slamming the valve, that air compresses and takes the big hit. That keeps your pipes from bouncing and making that water hammer sound. So hopefully that will take care of the problem, and I think it will. The fact that it eliminated a good share of it in your home, this will probably eliminate the rest of it. Oh, let's see. One more quick one here. Houston home has flooded several times. Got 27 inches during Harvey. Would like your opinion about a wet flood wall system that recommends a 2-inch closed-cell foam in the exterior walls and then plywood or removable-type interior wall structure that can be pulled 
after a flood for cleanup. Also, I was thinking that if I cut out all the tar paper of the inside wall, then will the sprayed foam, it would adhere to the siding and the studs and give me back my moisture barrier as well as some structural holding power for the old siding. Should I cut the tar paper from the top floor walls as well? First of all, don't cut the tar paper. It's, it is there as a moisture barrier. If you're going to put the spray foam insulation in there, leave it there. Put the spray foam up against it. If you ever decide to change the siding, if you have the uh, spray foam insulation right up against that siding, it will be a nightmare to get the siding off. As far as a breakaway wall, in most circumstances, you don't need it. You can clean up the inside. If you have a home that floods and you're going to put the foam insulation, use the closed cell so it doesn't act as a sponge and take on water. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.